The sermon text reading is from Matthew 6, 9 through 13, and James 1, 12 through 15. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now the passage from James. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Mark. I'll take that. You got it, buddy. (laughs) Well, good morning, guys. Um, If we don't know each other, my name is David. I'm on staff here at City Church, and um, nursing a little cold, so forgive me if I'm also nursing this water bottle. <clears throat> but uh, so we've been since basically the new year, we've been working through a sermon series on uh, the Lord's Prayer. And um, if you've been tracking with us, the uh, our focus has not been so much on the mechanics of prayer, but our beliefs and um, our thoughts and theology that underpin our prayer. And so that's kind of why. Um, we've been going through the Lord's prayers, is what is Jesus actually telling us to pray here? And um, Scott asked me to to do this last stanza, the last bit of the Lord's prayer. And I remember when I first looked at it, I was like, lead us not into, into temptation. And I was, gosh, that's probably the hardest part of this. But I, I have to say, um, as I've worked through it the last week or so, I've, it's been a lot to me. Um, and I'm really excited to share it t- with you guys, and I hope it's helpful for you. Um, so we're going to look at three things. What is temptation? Um, why do we have it? And then how to navigate it. Okay? So what is temptation? Um, so the word, the word for temptation here in the Lord's Prayer, the word for temptation um, being used uh, in the Lord's Prayer is also the same Greek word um, that is being used in our passage here with James 1, where he talks about the trial. So, so that same word can be tra- um, for temptation can also be translated trial or test. And so that was really helpful for me to think about that. And, um, and so after doing some study, as I, as I looked at um, what Jesus was getting at here, I came up with my own definition for temptation based off all the reading that I did. And here's what I came up with. Here we go. The experience, temptation is the experience of a desire to rely on other people or things besides God, as your provision. Temptation is the experience of a desire to rely on other people or things besides God as your provision. Okay, so why, why did Jesus end the Lord's Prayer with lead us not into temptation? So what we're going to do for just a minute is look back at the prayer as a whole and, and, and kind of where is Jesus taking us to as he ends the prayer with this issue on temptation. So I think we have a slide here. Um, Okay, so our Father in heaven, what's he doing? Acknowledging who God is. Acknowledgement of who he is. Next one. Hallowed be your name. Giving him the praise that he deserves. So we're kind of setting ourselves up with um, who is he, praising him for who he is, 
um, ha- uh, the next one. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So they were inviting God and submitting to God and his way of doing things. And then the next two. Give us this day our daily bread. God's already preached on this. What is daily bread? Daily bread is all of our physical needs. Not just, not just food, but all of our physical needs. Uh, forgive us our debts. Um, you know, there's, a, there's libraries full of theology books, but um, all types of different um, topics under the header of religion or spirituality. But forgive us our debts is getting at the core of our spiritual needs, being reconciled to God. So here Jesus is, is basically, we've just prayed for all of our physical needs and now our spiritual needs. So now when we, by the time we get down to lead us not into, into temptation, basically what we're asking God is, God, please don't let me forget what I just prayed. Please don't let me forget what I just acknowledged to be true. Um, I, I know that when I think of, some, uh, of temptation, I, my mind normally goes to one or two things, and I was, I've talked to you guys throughout the, this past week or so about temptation, I've heard kind of the same two or, two or three things. And, and here's, a, here's a couple. Um, I think that a lot of us go straight to uh, sexual temptation. Okay? Um, God made us all sexual beings at some level. Right? We have sexual desires. Um, and so if he created us that way, surely he has an answer to that desire we have inside of us. And he does. And he, and he lays that out in his word. And so when we're tempted sexually, what, what are we, what's happening there? We're looking for, um, considering a, a path to provision for that other than God's. So sexual temptation, that would be a daily bread issue. Another one that I heard um, from you guys was about, um, I'm going to call it perfectionism. This would be um, comparison with other people. Jealousy, self-righteousness. Um, you're wanting... I experience this all the time. You know, appreciate your prayer earlier, Mark. You know, it's easy to come up here and preach and want to kind of, you know, save everybody with being incredibly profound or inspirational. And the reality is, like, none of us are going to be enough all on our own. And um, uh, so that's that, that's a this kind of perfectionism, self-righteousness. That's a spiritual needs issue. Okay? So temptation is the experience of a desire to rely and other people are things besides God. And so, why do we have temptation next? Um, so, looking back at our passage, verses 13 and 14. Let me read it again. Let no one say, when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. He himself, himself tempts no one. But each person is, being, is tempted when he is lured and enticed with his own desire. Excuse me one second. Going with what we got this morning. Um, so God does not tempt us, right? God allows us to be tempted. I think the way that this verse is translated, it kind of sounds like God's leading you over to the temptation, and that's not what's happening. Um, what's happening is more like He's pulling His hand, His protective hand back just a little bit so that we can experience temptation. Um, Theodore is my son right over here, two years old. He's incredibly um, spunky and extremely curious, and um, we we like to have we have a fireplace in our house and a bonfire pit out back, and we like to do fires all the time. And Theodore is totally enthralled with the fire, and he wants to go over to the fire and play with it. 
And so, um, so I'm trying to teach him not to do that. And his vocabulary is still uh, early in its development. And so we have a few words that I know he knows that I say when he's headed for the fire. No, no. Hurt you. Boo, 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 boo. <laughs> he knows that word. And so, but more often than not, as he runs over to the fire, I have to run over and scoop him up and keep him from getting into it and, and playing with it. And so we've been going through this exercise for several months now. And the other day I was um, cooking some breakfast and I'm holding him. I'm over the stove. And above the stove is, uh, you know, like a, a light that shines down on the stove. And um, these light bulbs, they're like kind of the high efficiency ones. So they get warm, but not hot. And uh, so I'm holding Theodore. I'm doing something. And he looks over at me. And he looks at the light bulb, and I can see his little wheels turning. He starts to lift his hand, and I say, no, no, hurt you, boo, 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 boo. And, uh, and, and I, and I remo- sort of remove my protective hand a little bit. I let him touch the light bulb. And he holds it there for maybe three seconds to let the heat set in. And he, like, looks back at me and pulls his hand, you know, in kind of shock. And uh, I, so, so I, in that moment, you know, I was not... Um, I didn't lead him to the light bulb, but I did, I did take that moment to basically build trust with him. He's heard me say, no, no, hurt you, boo-boo, boo-boo, but most often he doesn't experience the consequences, and maybe he was, he's not quite sure I have his best interest in mind. And then in this moment, I build trust with him because he, he heard the commands, he knew what they meant, he experienced the consequences of not listening to them. So we built trust, and ultimately in that trust, we built intimacy. My main point for you guys this morning is temptation is all about intimacy. Think about it. Before there was sin in the world, there was a, there was a tree in the garden. And we read of this passage earlier. There was a tree in the garden, and Adam and Eve were tempted to touch it or eat from it. That was before sin. So, first of all, you can have temptation without sin. But second of all, that begs the question, why did God put the tree in the garden? And the reason is, I believe, maybe there's other reasons, but at least one reason is so that he could build intimacy with Adam and Eve. They could daily have the experience of being drawn to something other than God and choose him instead. You know, we, you, maybe you've heard of the term like neurological pathways. The more that you make a decision, the more that your brain is conditioned to make that decision. Um, and, and maybe when you experience that decision the first time, it's a little uh, you know, faint path through the wood. But as we make those, that same decision over and over and over, that path becomes an eight-lane superhighway. And what God wants with, with each one of us is an eight-lane superhighway of saying yes to him. <clears throat> um, but intimacy um, with God, intimacy with anybody, comes through trials. Remember trial, test, temptation, same word. Uh, Lana and I, my wife, most of you... We know each other. Maybe you also know we lived abroad for several years, and um, and you know saved saved up while we were over there. We we love, we're big travelers, love to travel. And so when we moved back to Atlanta from abroad, um, we decided before we get settled back here and start uh, start our work, we're going to travel for a while. So we traveled for a couple months, which was incredible. We went to some beautiful places, like went to the beach, um, stayed on the beach in Bali for a while. Um, very romantic. And we had a blast and made great memories. But the reality is, we did not grow in intimacy much during that time. Why? We didn't have much to draw us away from each other. Intimacy between us had been forged mostly through 
going through the grind, coming home tired from work and choosing to cook dinner for each other, um, seeing the other person's clothes on the floor and choosing to pick them up and do them the laundry, um, making just the daily choice to choose each other over ourselves. Temptation is all about building intimacy. So then when we look at um, verses like James 1-2, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, all Romans 8-28, all things work together for the good of those who love him. When we put that in the context of what temptation can lead to, intimacy with God, then we kind of start to understand that a little bit more. I know that I did this week. So, why do we have temptation? It's all about intimacy. Intimacy with God. Then how do we navigate it? So let's look at um, verse 15 again. Then desire, when it has conceived... No, notice the metaphor with um, child rearing, or childbearing here. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Uh, you've maybe heard of the term of like grooming, the way a, a sexual predator would like groom somebody. I think what James is saying here is we kind of groom ourselves into spiritual death, or we can. Um, so the question becomes, when we have a desire, what do we do with it? Um, you ever thought about, like, what's the difference between, like, a, de- a sinful desire and sin? I think what James is saying here is, when does sin happen? Sin happens when you choose to fertilize the desire to use so so. We're talking about conceiving. What happens at conception? Fertilization. I think that sin happens at that moment when we choose to fertilize that desire rather than stamp it out. Um, if if you and I have known each other for a while, you also know I'm a big car guy, okay? Love cars. I um, tinkered a lot as a kid in high school and college. I'd buy old cars that didn't run. I'd fix them up and sell them for money, sell them for profit, and I love doing that. And uh, so over the years, um, I've continued to indulge in my joy with cars. And um, so oftentimes, when I'm tired or anxious, the way I wind down is I'll read car magazines, like uh, Car and Driver, Road and Track. And, uh, and also, I'll watch uh, you, like YouTube. These you know, auto uh, journalism publications have videos on reviewing sports cars. So I love it. And... Uh, <clears throat> and if you if you read enough car magazines, you'll what you'll begin to learn is there is a car that is the gold standard for sports cars, and it's the Porsche 911. And um, now, if you had asked me five years ago if I thought I was ever going to own a Porsche, I would say that's a hairball idea, like a pipe dream at best, and maybe it is. But if you ask me today if I'm ever going to own a Porsche, the answer is yes. And I don't know when, or I don't know exactly how, but I'll tell you how I came to that conclusion. I read about it. Saw the pictures, saw other people admiring, you know, read about the people admiring these cars. Then when I would pass one on the road, I'd roll down my window and listen to the engine as it went by. And imagine myself in the car. Then eventually my background on my laptop became a picture of a Porsche. And then um, a friend of mine uh, bought a Porsche and let me ride in it with him. And I was like, dang, you know, I could definitely do this. Then... On my 30th birthday, my wife rented one for me to drive on my birthday, and the deal was done. Um, 
so, you know, now, now I have like this, my own little side savings account. Where I can every once in a while get to put a little money in. And one day, I hope to have enough money there to buy a Porsche. Now, I basically groomed myself into that idea. Like I said, five years ago, I'd been like, no, I'm never going to own a Porsche. I'm resigned to driving used Toyotas. And um, I think that, that we all do that. Um, we all do that with all kinds of different stuff. And we can do it for good. I mean, you know, buying a Porsche may not lead to spiritual death, but it could lead to financial death. And um, we all do this with our, with our own, own ideas all the time. And I think that that's what James is talking about here is when a, when a desire is fertilized, it conceives. And then once it's conceived, it gestates. And once it's born to become fully grown, we have to nurture it. We can't be too careful about what we do with our thought lives. And um, we have to, I think that we have to invite the Holy Spirit into our thought life. It, it, you know, it's really easy, I think, sometimes for us to have these pet ideas that we think are harmless. The next thing you know, you got a Porsche savings account. And um, my, you know, my dad, he often talks about having a uh, DUI, dreaming under the influence, um, in a good way, under the influence of the Spirit. We can invite the Holy Spirit into our thought life. I think just to actually talk about prayer mechanics for just a second, it's really easy, I think, for us to, when we think about prayer, to go to praying at mealtime, praying before bed or first thing in the morning. I mean, those are the main times I pray, right? Um, but that's not the way Jesus prayed. Um, that's not the way he taught his disciples to pray. We can, prayer can be something that permeates our day, permeates our thought life. Um, I've said this to you guys before. If, if God created the whole universe, not just the earth, but whole universe, created every human being in all of human history, and he cares at all about you and me, then the difference between a job change or new house and which brand of orange juice to buy is not that big of a deal to him. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, he has the bandwidth for all of your decisions. He has the bandwidth for all of your desires and thoughts. So how do we combat, how do we navigate temptation? Inviting Jesus, inviting the Holy Spirit into our thought life. Remember the, the fruit of the Spirit? What is, what is one of those? Self-control. So if we have the Spirit, the Holy Spirit in us, we have access to the self-control to say no to, 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 to temptation. When that desire arises, we have the, the, the power through the Holy Spirit to say no to the desire and not let it be fertilized. We must take our desires, all of them, good and bad and crazy, uh, before God. Let me end with this with you. Um, you remember the scene where Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane? He's, he's really feeling the weight of the cross as it's coming. He knows he's about to go experience a ton of physical turmoil. He's also about to go experience a ton of spiritual turmoil, complete separation from God. And so, um, you know, the, we, we even um, you know, think about, like, he's sweating blood. I mean, this guy was in turmoil. And, um, but he was God, right? He's the son of God, and he knew how it was all going to play out. So, if he was being tempted to abandon the cross, but yet he knew how it was going to go, then why pray? Why go to the Garden of Gethsemane and pray that the cup would be passed for him if he knew how it was going to work out anyway? Intimacy, again. He went to go have intimacy with the Father. 
one of the things that I like to um, remind myself when I'm going through trials is God doesn't waste pain. You know, Jesus was in agony knowing what was coming. God didn't waste that even for him. He took that moment and he was able to build intimacy with God. The first verse from our passage today, verse 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. Which God has promised to those who love him. So Jesus lived a perfect life, was tempted like crazy, never gave in, never decided to fertilize those desires, never sinned, and went to the cross and died for you and me. And you know what his crown, the crown of life was for him? You and me, in eternity with him. So when we read this, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, the crown of life for you and me is him. We get to have eternity with him in perfect intimacy because of what he did on the cross. Notice that last stanza, which God has promised to those who love him. Not which God has promised to those who resist temptation perfectly every time or only resist it this many times and there's an equation at the end and we'll see how you did. No, God offers the crown of life to all of those who love him, no matter how, how we handle uh, our life and the mistakes that we make. But because of what he did on the cross, we have the power to say no because of the Holy Spirit that now fills us. And, um, and we get to, even when we mess up, we get to enjoy the forgiveness that we prayed about earlier in the Lord's Prayer and have perfect intimacy with Him in eternity. Pray. Lord Jesus, um, You know us so well. You created us. And um, Lord, we all experience temptation all the time. We experience trials, tests. God, they're painful and sometimes confusing. Why would you let us experience this? And we don't know all your ways, Lord. We don't know all of what you're up to, but we know you're good and you love us and you're in control. Lord, would you give us more and more of that self-control that your Holy Spirit provides, that we would persevere through the trials. And as we go on through life, that we would experience more and more deep intimacy with you. And that when we enter into eternity with you, we can rejoice then in the full intimacy that we've had because of the love that you have for us and the love that we've had for you. Lord, would you empower us with this this week, we pray in your name. Amen. Amen.